Welcome back to Mariana Thinks Food, hosted by yours truly, Mariana. Today's episode is on sugar and how your body digests it. I had a cookie business. I love cookies. I would test them. You need to test them. Quality control, you know? But I would start getting headaches and it was quite annoying. I started asking questions and Googling. I read a lot and I still read a lot on the subject, learning more and more every day. But the basics are clear. Overdoing it one day doesn't really matter. It's the consistent overdoing it. The eating too much sugar over and over. The actions we take and the decisions we make every day will affect us, whether we like it or not. And it's important to know where we're going wrong, because I was quite surprised with my findings. Let's start with what is sugar. According to my research, sugar is a carbohydrate that tastes sweet. Shocking, right? Super mind-blowing stuff. There are different types of sugar that can be found in food. Lactose in dairy, fructose in fruit, sucrose in table sugar, and glucose, the most common in all of the above, and in meat, butter, avocados, etc. Our bodies convert carbohydrates into glucose, also referred to as blood sugar. Sugar has an effect on us. Eating it releases opioids and dopamine in our bodies. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter a chemical messenger that goes straight to your brain and is instrumental in hardwiring addictive behavior. When we eat a cookie, our body releases dopamine and our brains have a little party and our bodies like it. It wants it again. Who doesn't like a party? This is like post-quarantine parties. The first party with nine other people, you're really excited. By the 10th, you think, man, I wish I could see that 11th person I haven't seen in months. So you test your luck and your parties get a little out of hand. You might get a fine, you might get a warning, but still, you're putting people at risk and it's bad. Our bodies do the same. We crave that feeling of excitement of seeing someone new, and in this case, getting that rush. You can only get that rush by eating more sweets. We crave it, then we eat it again, then we crave it again, and so on. It's a cycle that repeats itself, like a bad habit. Now that we understand what is going on in our brains, let's understand how we digest it. The transformation starts when we eat. Whatever can be digested and transformed into glucose is done as the food comes in. Then the glucose goes straight into the bloodstream. Our glucose levels in the bloodstream rise. This is also called the rise in blood sugar levels. And this is the terminology I will continue using. So our blood sugar levels rise and the pancreas gets a notification to produce insulin. Insulin is a hormone that communicates with your cells and tells them to absorb blood sugar for energy or for storage. As these cells get the information, they absorb the blood sugar, causing blood sugar levels in the bloodstream to start to fall. At the same time, your pancreas gets a signal to create another hormone, glucagon. Glucagon, which weirdly sounds like an enemy space species, is a hormone that it forms the liver to release stored glucose to keep levels at a constant. The two hormones, insulin and glucagon, work to ensure that the cells in our bodies have a steady supply of energy and work tirelessly to stabilize our blood sugar levels. Balance is key. As you can see, our hormones control everything. Hormones are actually your body's chemical messengers, and they are powerful. They not only affect our metabolism, but also our growth and development, sexual functions, reproduction, and mood. A little change in our body's hormone levels can have huge consequences. And fun fact, the most common hormone disorder in the U.S. is diabetes. Now you know the process. So what? Well, now you know that if 
your body cannot make enough insulin or use the insulin it already produces, then it cannot digest the sugars you are consuming. If you cannot digest them, you probably have developed insulin resistance, and that is commonly known as type 2 diabetes, which is the most common type, and it affects about 90% of the people diagnosed with diabetes. People with type 2 diabetes produce insulin, but they cannot use it properly. To compensate, the liver tries to help and starts producing insulin, but eventually it can't keep up, and it gets mixed signals. It's not easy taking on another full-time job when you're already overworked. Everyone knows how that feels. Glucose builds up in the bloodstream and blood sugar levels rise. This state is not normal for your body. It becomes stressed. And as we all know, stress is bad for us. And this particular stress can cause eventual damage to our organs, nerves, and blood vessels. According to the World Health Organization, the number of people with diabetes rose from 108 million in 1980 to 422 million in 2014. The WHO estimates that diabetes was the seventh leading cause of death in 2016. That is crazy when you think that this is something that we're doing to ourselves. In the U.S., around 29 million people have type 2 diabetes, which is around 8.8% of the population. And estimates suspect around 84 million others have prediabetes, meaning their blood sugar levels are high, but not high enough to be considered diabetes yet. That's about a quarter of the U.S. population. That is insane. In the U.K., around 3.8 million people have been diagnosed with diabetes, which is 5.7% of the population. And in Spain, around 5 million adults, 13% of the adult population have diabetes. Think about it this way. If you're at a party with 99 members of your friends and family, in any of the before-mentioned countries, between 6 and 13 of them have diabetes, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. The number of pre-diabetics and undiagnosed diabetics would make this number insanely large. And guess what? Diabetes can be avoided by eating a healthy diet, doing some kind of physical activity, and maintaining a normal body weight, as determined by your height and body type. If you're curious, there are hundreds of online sources with body mass index calculators to help you get a range of where you should be. It isn't a perfect measure, but it can give you a good estimate. Moderating your glucose levels and your weight can not only help you avoid diabetes, but also reduce inflammation in your body and reduce the likelihood of developing other diseases, such as cardiovascular disease, the leading cause of death around the world, according to the World Health Organization. Now that you know all of this, you're probably wondering, what now? What can I eat? And the answer is everything but focus on avoiding extremes. The word of the day is balance. When people talk about food, they focus on three macronutrients, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. In the cool, in the no circuit, we call these macros. Just FYI, micronutrients or micros are vitamins and minerals. We eat macros daily. In the carbohydrates category, we eat bread, pasta, potatoes, vegetables, fruit, sugar, yogurt, and onwards. These are completely transformed into glucose within the first couple of hours of being consumed. The proteins, such as fish, meat, and cheese, have some parts converted into glucose, but most of this is stored in our liver and not released into our bloodstream. That is why they don't really affect our blood sugar levels. And as for fats, such as butter, olive oil, and coconut oil, less than 10% is converted into glucose. 
and it is absorbed slowly because your body has to go through more effort to digest it. What does this mean? Well, when you eat a piece of fruit, have some cheese. Drizzle some olive oil on your tomatoes, cook your vegetables, and some coconut oil. Combine carbohydrates with proteins and fats so that your body can digest them more slowly and you avoid too much work too quickly. In the following, I will say very slowly. The most important thing to remember is that eating balanced meals that combine carbohydrates, protein, and fat can help you keep your blood sugar levels from rising too high or too quickly, and thus keeping your body balanced. We all know balance is a good thing. Remember, it's the word of the day. I know this has all been very technical, but I've researched a lot for this podcast so that I can give you a better understanding as to what is happening in our bodies and why certain things happen. If we understand what causes diabetes and what causes inflammation or other issues in our bodies, then we can take actions to avoid it. And here the action is make sure that you eat healthily. And healthily means have balance. Balance is a good thing. I repeat this because when anything is out of whack, there is more stress. When we have a lot of work, when we don't sleep, when our hormones are up and down, we're moody, we're not the best versions of ourselves, and Quite frankly, it's not really nice to be around each other. And here, with this one element that is food, we're feeding ourselves. We do this multiple times a day. If we can control this and do one good thing at each meal and make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, we can avoid a lot of issues down the line. And as we know, hormones control our lives. So if we can control at least two then I think our days will be a little bit better. Thank you for listening today. I hope that it has been educational and that you will keep all this in mind when you choose your next meal. I wish you all well and heaping amounts of hormonal balance in your future. Until next time.